You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. Duck's penis. Welcome to the Sacred Collective. Was that first part on there? Uh, we'll find out, I'm not sure. <laughs> awesome. Um, let's do roll call real quick before we jump in. I'm Brian. Caleb. Joshua. Angela. Um, Amanda is putting our daughter to sleep, but Amanda and Ava are present. Um, I think we're just going to jump in. Uh, I've kind of talked with the rest of the Sacred Collective peeps, and we're going to talk about deconversion. I know to some people that might be a hot, hot button or whatever topic, but I wanted to kind of focus on there is uh, a famous evangelical uh, worship leader based out of Australia um, and worked for the Hillsong Church. I think, Angela, is it a church? Or I believe so. I think, it I think it's a, a church. church that, yeah. Not like a touring yeah. musical group. Um, anyway, this individual um, probably has written some worship songs. I mean, in the church that I go to, we don't we sing hymns, but probably in a lot of evangelical churches, a lot of the um, praise and worship songs he's probably written or has been a part of. So this um, worship leader has went to social media and has been saying that they're struggling with their faith, they're trying to wrestle with some doubt and ambiguity on some of these things, and I know a lot of us have done that in certain parts of their, our lives. And then I would say recently, within the last month or two, he actually wrote an Instagram post uh, saying, he's like, I love you Christians, I, you know, you're great, it was awesome, but I'm not one of you anymore. So he went from his doubting, his whatever, to full-fledged deconversion. Um, I mean, I don't have like all these questions lined up, but I just kind of want it to be this fluid conversation. I, I mean, what do we think about that? I, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of evangelicals um, in the world who have just just opted out. Yeah. And I am totally okay with that, but I just it's unless we would talk to him and interview him, we wouldn't know fully why, but I mean if anybody just has anything to say, just jump in. I just think it's a fascinating kind of topic, and especially with in the evangelical world where worship music is the closest thing to getting you to be in heaven, pretty much, with all these rock bands, to have someone of his caliber not just question stuff, but to walk away from it, to, to be like, I'm an atheist. I mean, I think the next biggest person would be Michael Gunger. Um, yeah. When he walked away, but he's still, Derek kind, Webb. he's still kind of religious. Yeah, I mean, Derek was, he's he was more of a, in a band, not a worship band, but yes, religious. Yeah. On girls, too, next to yeah, yeah. Shout out to all these bands. <laughs> well, I don't think it's that strange that people, when people walk away from their faith, because it's usually due to them being really interested in their faith. And so they start to seek you know, deeper answers, deeper meanings, and more complete histories of where their faith came from, where the tradition goes. And if you look back, I mean, and you start going to the history of the church, you start to just see all this evil shit, you know, like 
Catholic Church, for example, like fucking little kids corrupt, like that, you know, that's pretty terrible, you know. Yeah. And you go back, you know, even to to Luther, someone who was trying to change the church because he felt so compelled to do so for religious means, but instead, people who were less thoughtful than him decided to start wars because of it. Um, so when, I don't know. I feel like when most people they most people start to examine their faith life and start to go back and look at try to find answers they realize a lot of the answers they're getting is just malarkey like there's, not, there's no sand to it so it's not that surprising that people who are really engaged and thoughtful about their faith start to doubt things that other people have just mm-hmm. told them over the years that doesn't seem surprising to me yeah um, and you're saying this as a, as a seminary grad who went through the exact process that you just described Oops. Like I'm, I'm looking at the Oops. Greek tattooed on your arm right now. <laughs> For the listener, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's why it, so many folks in the faith rely on the faith aspect. They're like, don't think about it. It's just a faith thing, man. Oh, yeah. It's a God thing. You know? Um, it's, it, we can't understand. Yeah. Right. Like, that was what I was always told when, like, something terrible would happen. And I'd be like, why mm. would God allow that? Well, he works on a plane that we can't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's. It's just that's a, not good enough. It's just enough. Like if you, if you don't think about it much, you're like, yeah, you're right. You're probably right. If God's sitting fifty stories right. above me, He can see further down the road than I can, just because of where that thing, God, whatever it is, is focused on. But when you think about it for ten seconds, you're like, seems like bullshit. To but me. when you have something <laughs> happen to you that you know is going to kind of fuck you up for the rest of your life, like, or I would have people tell me, like as a survivor of sexual assault like you lead other people to Jesus because of what happened to you mm. like and You're I harder. never I never got that either it, was, like, it wasn't comforting it was not comforting like mm. well your your strong faith after what this happened you know that will inspire other women to be silent to be silent, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to strengthen their faith. I never understood that. It'll inspire other people to shut the fuck up and just do. And their I jobs. think, I think, like, what's hard with someone who's in the public sphere denouncing their faith, and especially someone who's in like a Christian band denouncing their faith. So many people relied on them for so long to strengthen their faith. So, like. I don't think he's completely renounced his faith, but I know tons of people think Aaron Gillespie from Under Oath is like a huge sinner now. Cause he well, and Spencer. Drinks and swears and whatever. I, and he, I mean, Aaron Gillespie hasn't come out as an atheist, but I mean, he made like worship albums and people are like, that your album changed my life. Yeah. For my faith and now hearing him be like fuck shit this that you know like it's so jarring to them because that was so important in their life and then it's not important in his life anymore but it still isn't yours and I feel like that would be the same way with this guy who denounced his faith or anyone in the public sphere who's like Mm. denouncing their faith if it was so important to you then like Aaron Gillespie's album changed my life and now he takes that album like he you know hates that he did that album but that was something so important to you like Um, I can see like I just he gets like so much shit (laughs) 
on social media, like, out of any Christian musician that I still semi-follow, which isn't that many. But he gets so much shit. Like, even, even just, like, people being, like, they just got done doing a tour with Korn and Alice in Chains. Yeah, yeah. And people will be like, that's so, so good for you, brother. God bless you, Aaron. God bless you. Like, God and you can tell, like, they're just like, come back, please. Because you were yeah. so important to me. And now, the, like. Well, and, and my frustration, and I, and I agree with what you're saying, because I follow. And I can't totally denounce people saying that, too. If that was something super important in their well, life. Like, if. Right. Like. To me, if Joe Strummer was still alive and suddenly became a super evangelical Christian, I would feel kind of betrayed. <laughs> like, I could see that. So, just mm-hmm. trying to yeah. relate to other people. I mean, I think it's annoying that people are constantly, like, if you post something on Instagram and swears, they're like, that's not good of you, brother Aaron, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of stuff is stupid, but... I tried to look at it the other way, and if, like, someone who I totally love and respect, like, if mm-hmm. Joan Jett was suddenly like, I'm pro-life, I'd be like, what? Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, like, so, I don't know. When I think it's not dealing with, per se, this, this musician, but, like, Angela, what you were saying, you and I kind of grew up listening to a lot of the same music, a lot of the same bands, and... I do one of my favorite bands to this. Can you feel your heartbeat racing? Yes, um, one of my favorite Aaron's, bands to this Aaron's day is Under Oath. I was actually wearing a sweat their sweatshirt today, but I actually watched this. They had like a five little minute thing that they posted like in an interview, and it was when this new album came out, Erase Me, and they were like the the host of the show was like you guys were a pretty, you know, religious band, a pretty Christian or evangelical band. And Spencer, first of all, said, not all of us in that band ever were Christian. He's like, I've never been a Christian. But he's like, a lot of the guys in the band were. And, and still are. Like, and, and he's like, and still are. But he's like, but we're a band that plays music, that we love each other. And he's like, it shouldn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian to still be friends, to get along. Like, that shouldn't be like, oh, you're not a Christian, I can't, and that's a very evangelical thing because I remember growing up in the church where they used the whole metaphor where they would put someone up on a chair and then we would have someone down here and you would be the Christian on the chair and then your non-Christian friend would be on the ground and they're like, see how easy it is to mm. push you off? So pretty much saying you can, you should never be friends with people who don't share the same faith, which I've always thought was just utter garbage. But like I remember in this, this little video, it was kind of like, and Spencer came out and said, yeah, like, while, like, what kind of made us break up was I was dependent on drugs. He's like, I had a really bad drinking and, like, cocaine problem. And he's like, I wasn't in a good place. And these brothers were trying to help us out. But he was like, the people who turned their back on me like that, he's like, were the Christians. Because he's like, he's like, aren't Christians supposed to be the ones when you're going through stuff? Supposed to have your back and supposed to be there with you walking through it? And he's like... Not a single Christian, not a single Christian band that we've toured with, and he's like toured with a lot of them. Not any of the churches that we've been a part of ever were there. And 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 then Aaron said, if we still were in the Christian music scene, he's like we would be dead. 
And, I mean, that's just hit me. Where it was like these, there's more and more bands that were quote-unquote in this Christian subculture, this Christian worldview of, of like how bands should be, that have totally, I'm not even going to say fully walked away from the face. Some may have, but are like, this is garbage. It's messed up. And I'm glad that Under Oath, you know, did what they did and had to do what they had to do. And like you said, some of them still are Christians, but... Yep, I know Chris for sure is still a Christian, um, and he fucking goes harder than anyone I think I've ever seen at a metal show when I saw them. The no, the keyboardist. Oh, he's sweet. He goes harder than anyone, and he's like this like four year old like Christian dad from Florida, and I was like, holy shit! Like, how are you not in the hospital like after that show? But. Maybe. I mean, he's still... Yeah, maybe he is. Maybe he is. But I mean, yeah, like, Spencer, even at the show, was like... Yeah, yeah I was sure. gonna kill myself, but then Aaron was like, no, bro, don't do that. And he's like, save my life. Mm-hmm. And I think Aaron still has Christian leanings. I, I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting, too. So one of my best friends is... I would consider evangelical, conservative Christian. Um... And we talk, like we talk about our faith together, um, but when I went through my deacon version, <clears throat> he was like, "Oh, this will pass. Like, give it over." Um, kind of things, kind of how he treated it. And then he tried to kind of convert me for maybe about a year. Yeah, you know, because we try to hang out once a week. We see each other all the time, but like we've been with each other through real life stuff. Like he's, you know, his family. That's what creates bonds. It's yeah. not. Religion, it's yeah. so it, going through yeah. real life. Well, and, he, and he has this whole group of evangelical Christians that we all went to school with that are still in his friend group. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after he went through some some shit, he ended up in rehab. And we were the only people who went to see him besides his family, besides his mom and dad. Yeah. And, like, I think that kind of changed his view of those people. Yeah. Because, like, it's funny because I called some of his friends, like, in con- he, he knew I was doing this, but... Like in comments, called some of his friends, be like, "Hey, we're gonna go visit this dude on Tuesday. Would you come with us?" And they freaked out. They were like, "I don't, I don't. What, what, what would I say? Well, what would I do?" I'm like, "You'd be his friend. Like you've been for the last ten fucking years. That's what you do." And none of them, none of them ever went. You know, so we we're the only people. So it was frustrating because, like you were saying before, like it should be, it shouldn't it be the people who profess to be most like Christ who are coming alongside the people who need it the most. It's frustrating. Versus being like, well, if I get, if I get involved in that, what will the neighbors think? Mm-hmm. People might talk. Well, people talk, you know. What? I don't even understand that argument. What would they talk about? I visited my friend in rehab. Like, that's a great thing. <laughs> like, that's what he needs the most. Mm-hmm. Like, your neighbors. I was sick. Unless and they're total. Me. I was imprisoned and. Yeah, and, unless your neighbors are total fucking dickholes. Like, <laughs> why wouldn't they be like? That's amazing visiting your friend in rehab. Like, I, good yeah. for you. I feel like evangelicals feel like if they're associated with someone who is seen as sinful, that yeah. will somehow contagious. reflect it's poorly stupid. on them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a culture that's been bred on purpose. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like that. When you guys were talking earlier, I kept thinking the term unequally yoked. You know, um, yeah. people say that like, because I remember uh, in high school I broke up with a girl because we were unequally yoked. Yeah, because like they would she, encourage it. She I was, not, she I was did the same thing with girls growing up. Because like, oh, well, you're not a Christian or you don't think of Jesus the same way as me. We're unequally yoked. I said that same line. 
It's funny because I was I was dating this girl and she I was never Buddhist. said it to anyone, but and someone said it. To I me. got converted. I got turned into evangelical We're Christian. We're equally yoked. God, I know God the phrase, me, but like, come on, you guys. God what? told me to break Whoa. up with you, one of my ex boyfriends, uh, said that because yeah, yeah. I I tempted him too much sexually. Hey oh. Mm-hmm. I, I think I might have used Did that you right. cause him to stumble, Angel? I did. I oh. sure did. <laughs> yes, I sure did. We call him Mr. Handerpants. Like, I'm really glad that all of you all from the high school down the street started coming here to youth group, but I, the Lord put this on my heart, I have to say it. Some of you young ladies are causing our brothers here to stumble. That's right. I'm going to have to ask you to... to wear longer know, shorts. Wear longer shirts. <laughs> longer no short shorts. Turtlenecks. No skirts. No yeah. makeup. You're causing... It has been brought to my subtle. attention that the patriarchy is being caused to stumble... By you, young women. That's now, right. boys, get your speedos. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. Follow me. <laughs> All your boys, take off your clothes. I mean, oh boys. Oh boys. What are we, the boys to bring us America? back? To bring us back. If I'm honest with myself, I mean, yes, I'm still a Christian. Way different than um, obviously growing up as the son of the God. But I think if I can look at a time where. I not deconverted but deconstructed to the point of where I'm at now. It started the night my dad died. And because I grew up and I can pinpoint it back where before then, you know, if you heard someone like, Oh, this person died or whatever, it was never connected. It was never like a loved one. It was never like a close friend. Um and when and it was always like I was in my as long as a God church, it was always like Oh, well, <clears throat> God doesn't let bad thing happen to good people and stuff, which is not even biblical. It's just a bunch of garbage. Yeah. And, yeah, like, Jonah. <laughs> and when, and Whoa. when, and when my, oh, like, and, no, like, my, I was at the internship for my undergrad degree at North Central, and, like, he died in a church. It was actually a church not too far from your guy, like, right down the road from your guy. I passed that church uh, often. Yeah. Yeah. Which is creepy, and I still, the church I literally I about two or three years ago was the first time I could drive past that church without crying. Jesus. Because that's where, you know, I'm like, that's the last place I saw. I mean, it was cool for my dad because he died in a church, and my dad was very devout in his faith. I mean, all these things, like, looking at it, like, if there was a way to go, I mean, there was a way to go. It was in a church. I mean, come on. But I remember, and I tell people, and I don't like when people are like, oh, it's your testimony, brother. It's like, no, it's part of my life. And I don't want a fought my de- my dad's death to be a testimony, but I remember all these people. Like I knew my dad was dead because I found him. He was blue, whatever. And but I remember, like in my head, just I've always been a person who asks questions. But I was just like, I remember looking, like saying to God, even in my anger, like you're dead to me. Like you're just you're you're not here because this. This, you wouldn't have let this happen if you were this all-powerful, all-knowing God. And then, to make matters worse, you had, like, the pastors of the church, and I had, like, of course, my mom and my brother and my ex-sister-in-law at the time and a ton of cousins. Sister Outlaw. Uh-huh. Sister Outlaw, yeah, there you go. They were all like, oh, well, Jesus needed another angel or no. all this kind of stuff. And I was like, if that's how Jesus... And I remember saying that to him. I said, if this is how Jesus works, I don't want to believe in that Jesus. Literally, if if God is like here, you're gonna have your parent for this short amount of time, and then I'm gonna kill him or her or whatever. 
then that's terrible. And I remember at that point looking at God, and I say this to people, where I was just like, fuck you. Everyone else was like like praying in tongues that that even is the thing. And I just remember sitting in the corner looking at like the sheet that was over my dad. And I was just like, fuck you. Fuck you, yeah. fuck you, fuck mm-hmm. you. And I, re- like, and I still tell people, and whether people believe that or not, I said, that is the closest I've ever felt to God in my life. Mm. It's That's telling him to yeah, F like off. That. I like that. And I'm like, and there's people who've done it in the Bible. I mean, David, all these people, like, people have cursed at God or in the New Testament. I'm like, you can get mad. That's called lament. That's a, that's a very biblical thing, especially in the Old Testament, where people are like, I don't know why the hell you did this. I'm mad. I'm angry. Yeah. And it's like, God's kind of like, okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Like, if this is what needs to happen. And so for me like breaking down that like that barrier of saying like in my head I was like I'm not going to get mad at these people for saying that because they have to say that because that's where their worldview is that's their Christian bubble mm-hmm. they have to say that because if they don't believe in that they would literally go bananas well, they would they would lose all sense of rationality it, it reminds me of, if you just think about the fact that every living creature is going to die you just be like why would a benevolent deity decide that? That seems ridiculous. So, like, the whole church cruxes on, well, it's our fault. The original mm-hmm. sin. Otherwise, we'd live forever. You know, it's like, that, that's that's pretty thin, man. Like, so... Oh, yeah. God was like, well, I would have made you live forever. We would have perfect. But then, It would have been you know, 12 of you. Yeah. <laughs> all living forever. And then, you, and then you ate some stuff that I didn't want you to. And you ate of the tree of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And so now I must yeah. kill you forever. It just it seems ridiculous. I mean, it just seems like it was made up by some dude who was like, I'm not big or strong, but if I tell these people the story, yeah. they'll worship me too, because I'll be their only link to God. Yeah. But imagine going through that, like, telling God to fuck off because your dad died in front of, like, 60,000 followers. Like what? What kind yeah. of weird warped sense would you yeah. have then? No, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. no, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, just just like prolonging your faith because it's your whole friend group, which I did for too long of a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, we had a lot of weird conversations. With way friends too together. long. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was dates. like, if if I if I was like, yeah, I don't believe in any like. Okay, there go all your friends. There goes your entire social life. Mm-hmm. There goes the you know like. So I just thought of I had so much anger after after my assault and like that's was definitely the nail in the coffin for you know not believing anymore and it it was it for a long time. After I that. yeah yeah too long way too long. Um... But I was scared. I was scared of losing all my friends. And then I would have nobody. Yeah. And I wasn't... I was always conditioned... I was always conditioned that I couldn't be friends with non-Christians. Yeah. Because they're scary, evil people who are gonna... Who are gonna... Corrupt you. Corrupt your me. Your precious God will be when, corrupted. When... In, your precious God isn't strong enough for your atheist friends to... When around. in a horrible, ironic tris- twist of fate... It was a guy from a Christian band who assaulted me. So, it's like 
the people who I was supposed to hang out with mm-hmm. and supposed to date. Yeah. And we were dating at the time. Like, those are the people I wasn't supposed to be scared of. And that that's who ended up performing this life-changing thing that I still struggle with today. Yeah. And it's like... But I had no skills in interacting with non-Christians. Like, I was like, I was told to fear them. I was told to, you know, they're going to get you drunk. They're going to do this. They're going to do that, you know. So I was like, if I lose my Christian friends, like, I'm going to go, like, walk into a bar and be like, hey, guys. Like, I, I didn't have any skills in making friends with people who aren't Christian. Like. And that's stupid and stunted my growth as a person. And it makes me angry that I did that for so long. But I can't imagine... I mean, I can see why people who are in the public eye don't... If they have doubts, they don't renounce. Like, how much harder would that have been? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and if I had people, you know, you changed my life, you changed my faith, and if I was like, right. oh well, I, was I think that's all bullshit now. Yeah, and I was pretending yeah. at the time. Like, you, how you fucking awful even, would you yeah, feel? No, like, exactly. I so got, I don't know. I guess in my head too is how many people out there, whether pastors, missionaries, bands, have went through that, have. Who, who are kind of quote unquote hiding their true like faith convictions or theological convictions you know like I know um, I mean that's a band that I like when I grew up with is MXPX and you listen to their first couple albums and they're they spread like Jesus in their little or they say Jesus in a couple songs and you ask Mike now and he's like yeah I'm an atheist and they're like what well, did that affect a lot of your music? But he's like, he's like, no, just because we've been around for so long and we have such good inroads. But he's like, no Christian venue from when I came out and was like, yeah, we're not. We, what well, a we were never a Christian band. We were Christians in a band. But he was like, I, you know, he's Holy like, Christ. I walked. He was right. like, I walked away from my faith a long time ago. He's like, it didn't make sense. He was think he said it on his own podcast like the Mike Herrera hour or whatever and but he's like and it's and it's crazy when bands who were like people who are Christians who have like okay I've deconverted or I've walked away where the Christian community is just like whoop they just turn around and I'm like that is so goes against what Jesus even teaches if, if for someone who like, I've dedicated my whole life to studying scripture, to, to being in church and ministry. And when I hear Christians do that, I'm just like, you're not following Jesus if you do that. Like, you're just not. And when you call them out, they're like, oh, you can't say that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to say it. And I'm like, because that's not how Jesus would be. Jesus would be like, I'm sorry you're hurting. I'm sorry that this is happening to you. And I'm going to be here with you in whatever capacity you need me to be. But when you have Christians be like, oh, well, this person, you know, changed my life and now they're an atheist or now they're doubting, well, poo-hoo-hoo, and I'm going to, like, go against everything that they say or not, not buy their music or support them, then it's just like, I want to just say, fuck you, because you're doing it for all the wrong reasons then. Yeah, and what I find fascinating, there's definitely the people in the fuck you camp, 
But then there's also people who, I mean, grew up in the Christian scene where, like, MXPX meant a lot to them. And if they're still Christian, probably listen to my careers podcast, which I think is great because it'll give them, like, a different worldview. But people who are, like, I'm going to win them back for the Lord, like, seeing that kind of shit, like... I see that a lot with Aaron, like, and I think he was way more into the Christian scene. Like, he put out worship albums in my career and never did that. Um, But, yeah, it's weird that there's the different camps of, like, when you're a public figure and you denounce your faith, there's, Mm. like, the, the... I still love you, brother, but you'll be back. Yeah. (laughs) You'll no be can back. snatch you out of his grasp. Yeah, you'll be back. God, God still loves you, right. brother. Yeah. And then there's other people who are like, "You're a shitty father because mm-hmm. you're you saying swear words." Mm-hmm. Or you you were a wolf in sheep's clothing Drink the whole beer. time. Yes, oh, yes. That's I hate thing that too. Christian language. Yeah. yeah. So there's like kind of two really weird camps, and I feel like if I was in the public eye and I had to renounce my faith like I would yeah. just be like I don't want that fucking headache like yeah. I'll just keep and that's whatever like that's a tricky thing I think to navigate that I have really mixed feelings about honestly because I'm intentionally not going to say any names but some of the uh, more forward thinking speakers and icons and figures I guess in like in Christendom helped me get to uh, accepting more comfortably where I am at and where maybe I have been at or, like, allowing me to reassess things that I needed to reassess. Um, and, and a lot of these speakers, I think, are more, since I, it's almost like a buzzword for this episode, more deconverted than they would uh, publicly say. I yeah. think you probably yeah. can think of a handful of names that I'm, that I'm Bingo. thinking of. Maybe Bingo. some people who've even been on this and other related podcasts. But I think there's a lot of people who, for the sake of... Is that me? No, I'm just oh. interested. Oh, interesting. For the sake of their career, um, you know, just like practically speaking, they have to almost like wean their fan base, which is a collective term, wean their fan base off of where they were at. Like, okay, yep. they, they they denounce being an evangelical, um, you know, public speaker or uh, even like, a, you know, like a TV icon or something like that. And then they lose half their de- denomination. But turns out if they said what they were thinking the whole time, they would have lost 100%. But now they're like weaning it off. And yep. like they're, they're important stepping stones. And I've talked to some of these people I'm referring to who are genuinely still in a very gray area in their own personal life. Because when, like, when I engage with people like that, I, I like to be very direct and be like, where are you at, though? About? Like, like I, asked, I can say this. I asked Maria on her podcast. I was, I was like, so, like, do you believe in God or what? You know? <laughs> we have Maria from the Hatchery on. And, you know, and it's like... Uh, the Hatchery, yeah, like. Yeah, which is... Yeah, nothing bad to say about that. Listen, listen to that podcast. For sure. But but I would say, yeah, uh, it. I respect the fact... Oh, cool. I respect the fact that it is so tricky to navigate that territory. And also, at the same time, it's like, well, just just be honest. Just tell us what you really think. 
Right. I don't know. What are I they like do? that phrase "ween." Like I see that yeah. a lot. Like, like yeah, and it's funny because I just watched this Christian documentary, which I highly recommend if you have HBO now. It's called Friend of God. I am a friend of oh. God. Um, and it's this lady going around to like different like Christian groups in the United States. She interviews Ted Hager before he goes to prison. No shit. Um, yeah. And there's this big like teen concert from Teen Mania Ministries called Battle Cry. I dated a girl who worked for Teen Mania. Yes. And insane. And I I was shocked because the guy singing at Battle Cry was Michael Gunger, who now has changed his name and I believe he's Vishnu Das. Buddhist? Uh, he's he I don't know what he is. New Age. New (laughs) Age, yeah. So if he if he would have gone straight from Battle Cry to Right. This publicly. Publicly. Right. If he had yeah. done that, even if he did that personally or internally, if he had done that done publicly, it, publicly yeah. it would have been like a catastrophic. Catastrophic. Yeah. Yes. I was trying to think of a good word. Yes, catastrophic. So yeah, I think I think the weaning is interesting. And I think I've definitely seen like I think. Derek Webb has done a, a fine job of weaning people because he was in super popular worship band. I can't remember what it was. Call. There you go. Jinx. Uh, hey, Eric. Hey. Oh, hi, Eric. We're talking about deconversion. Oh, hi, Eric. We're talking about deconversion, like oh, bands. Because how, how this kind of started was there's a, a popular worship leader from Hillsong mm-hmm. out in Australia who's quote unquote walked away from his Hey let's let's take a like a five while we brief Eric and I'm gonna move some of these mics around. Okay. Because we have another body in the room. Robo Brian. Eric's here now. Kill. Joshua. Angela. No um so back to what we were saying about the difference between walking away from your faith in front of family and friends or walking away from your faith as a public figure. The I feel like if you decided just to pretend to be the same devout person you were before you deconstructed, I mean you're kind of you're kind of just being an asshole. And I mean not only that, but you're hurting yourself even further by pretending to be something you're not. Mm-hmm. And like. You, so now you're creating this whole secret life that you have to keep up, which seems exhausting yeah. and seems difficult and seems like that's almost more detrimental than just ripping the bandaid off, you know, because then yeah. you have to live like this slow life of just being like people keep questioning, well, yeah, but you did say this one thing that makes us believe you're not exactly right. 100% evangelical and you're like, well, I'm like 20% and they're like, what? <laughs> and like everything just keeps getting worse and because yeah. um, it seems like if you're I mean, the last thing that most people want is someone lying to them. Even for a good reason. Right. You know, but like, you'd rather know the truth than have a lie. And it seems like it would hurt a lot more people if you just kept pretending. Um, But when you're, if your livelihood's tied to it, that's why I don't like when people get paid for religious work. 
Like I don't I don't like that arrangement because yeah. it feels like well you're already getting a reward for your religious arrangement and so you're just putting a show on to make money. And then if you actually have some real thoughts about it, you're like, oh, I should actually change some things, but then it affects your livelihood. You're like, ah, shit, I guess I shouldn't, shouldn't well, question those things. It also might affect the livelihood of, like, your staff and your family yeah. and your staff's family. Like, I, I don't know how many times I've heard, I mean, mostly anecdotally, because, again, people don't want to be on record, but, like, anecdotally, someone being like, oh, yeah, this pastor... Like, from one pastor talking to another pastor, like, oh, yeah, they have tons of doubts, and they're, like, parodying stuff every Sunday to, like, make sure that the pews are full and, like, make sure that the offertory comes in. Yeah. And it's, like, that's that's a huge, that's a huge deal. Yeah. When you've got, and it's not, it's not all, because, like, if you think about, like, a big church where you've got, like, tons of other teaching staff and worship leaders and the yeah. children's staff and like families and all this stuff it's like you have a lot of people that you end up being responsible for and then you're kind of stuck where it's like you can try to deconstruct on your own but then you've got to kind of like fake it on Sundays yeah and is that I mean that's it, I it's so messy I and then I think I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but, like, the difference between, like, deconstruction and deconversion. No, we haven't specifically, no. Well, the, one, the first thing that came to mind for me when you said that, it's like, it almost feels worse to me that, because, I mean, how many people love their jobs? Not that many. Every, no matter, no matter oh, what no. job you have. But you, you do... You do <laughs> Every, oh, oh. But you do no, pretend. Could be wrong. <laughs> but you pretend to like your job enough so that you don't get fired or, like, like, you know, like, you don't curse in front of the boss or something like that. Yeah. At church, seems like it should, obviously it should be, like, a different sort of standard, like, you know, because everyone's like, we're called to ministry. It's, you know, it's it's something right. that's supposed to be above. It's not it's supposed to be a divine, job. Yeah. It's this appointment. You know? Well, yeah, are you yeah. called to it, but then you're not called to stay? Like, you got called to it, but that was 20 years ago, and now you're stuck. Well, I mean, well, yeah, of course, but I mean, if it, it, it feels like a religious expression or spiritual expression that you actually get paid for should be a place where you're never duplicitous with yourself, that you're just like you, who yeah. you are. Yeah. And so, like, when you say, yeah, all these people depend on me, that might be true, but um, if, if it's all a lie, what's, what's better? The yeah. truth or a lie, you know? And in, in a religious sense, you'd be like, because in most job places, everyone's like, oh, I really like my job, and you're like... You're like that guy's full of shit. Yeah, you know, like he doesn't like his job because what do people complain about? That's a good point. Their jobs, uh, traffic, and lost socks are like the three most (laughs) things that make people unhappy in America. Um, Not politics. uh, I don't. I think it's quite lower on the list actually, Uh, but it just seems like it should be held to a different sort of accounting, you know, than just be like, well, you're a pastor, you hate your job, right? And you're like, wait, this pastor hates his job. Then why the fuck is he a pastor? Like, why did you go flip burgers or something? You know? Mm. Okay, so here's a here's a thought that I just had, and we can't think it out loud. Do it. Is so I just thought. The, so the first thing I thought when you were talking is that I think one explanation would be how tied together, overlapped, and like muddled together religious life and consumerism, capitalism is and is that part of not only why it gets confusing and hard and difficult for pastors to be open about their own questioning and doubting 
and is that also why maybe it's really hard for just the average person who's in the pew to deal with their own doubts and deconstruction and stuff because capitalism is so enmeshed with our personal identities and society and culture that without even trying it it colors our view of spirituality and we think spirituality we confuse aspects of spirituality with aspects of capitalism and hmm. like there has to be some sort of cost benefit or return on investment or we because we're so enmeshed in the culture it naturally and maybe necessarily flows into our spirituality and that's maybe that's like a crux of the issue where that becomes we, we're not able to be authentic in our spirituality because you can't be authentic in a capitalist society because you have to like talk right to the right person or like Josh and I was talking yesterday about like oh you're important enough for me to have my time you're not important enough for me to waste my time on you and I have this thing and it leads to inauthenticity <laughs> where in spirituality not being authentic is detrimental to the whole project for you and people around you and so I, I think maybe maybe there's that maybe that's like an aspect of it is that this stuff from our culture seeps into our spirituality when it shouldn't it's, it's also the myth of <clears throat> that people there are certain people who have life figured out and then they're the rest of us. And those people usually have places of power, whether they're pastors or uh, politicians. They should have their shit handled and figured out because they're leading. And then you hear all these scandals about all these pastors who are just jackwits, who don't, don't know anything, and they're not any any better than anyone else. But we've put them up all in this place. We're like, well, he's a leader. He's important. This guy knows what he's doing, right? And then you realize they don't have any more idea than anybody else, and that's the problem, because then we all start to panic, because if nobody knows, then who's in charge? And mm-hmm. we, we love that church, because, I mean, you're saying capitalism, but then I was thinking, well, the Catholic Church did this for, you know, thousands of years before capitalism existed, you sure. know? And they still, we still had the same, like, we'll put our hopes and, you know, prayers on this person. Or, you know, tribes before that in different, you know, different um, bodies, like the Roman Republic or, you know, the Greeks, you know, the... I don't know. That's interesting. I want to talk more about that sometime. Obviously not tonight, but like, that seems interesting to me. Like, mm-hmm. why are we so compelled by people who we assume are important or we assume are in charge, yeah. you know? Because, yes. I mean, it's very rare that, like, a monarchy works out to have, like, a benevolent king. Yeah. Like, every once in a while it does, and you're like, oh, there's a good one. Yeah. But every other time it's just, like, you read right. this, you're like, they, they let him do this? Right. You know? I guess I was thinking more, like, I was kind of thinking more in line with, like, the ideas of deconstruction and deconversion. Like, if if our spirituality wasn't so influenced to our to the secular culture, would we be as scared? Because I think a lot of people, oh, I, I think a lot of people have maybe tendencies towards deconversion or just doubt, and it's like well, that's not allowed. So just like shut that door because of influences of our culture. If we didn't have that and we were open to be authentic in our spirituality. Maybe deconstruction, deconversion wouldn't be such a scary thing, and would be such like a like all or nothing. It's like uh-huh. you either have to be a devout evangelical, or 
you are a deconverted atheist now. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's, our culture doesn't provide, like, so not the ambiguity. look at our politics. It's like, you're Republican or Democrat. There's no middle ground. There's no reaching across the aisle. It's like, if you're not the same as me, we're enemies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just this, polari- this, this polarization and like, total division. And that is what I kind of was talking more about, like with that seeping into our spirituality. Whereas if we didn't have that, maybe we'd be more open to being authentic. Be like, hey, I've got some big serious doubts, and it's like, okay, let's talk about it. It doesn't have to be like, well, that means now I'm an atheist. Mm. Right. I think that's. No, I agree. Yeah, it'd be interesting if the denomination started that was founded on doubt. You know, like a Christian denomination that was like, well. Let's just figure these questions out together. Like, I don't have the answers. Let's do it. Let's do this In thing. In small group, you'd be like, what have you doubted this week, brother? Give me a doubt <laughs> I like this that. Week, I like that. You know, start a domination, like, here's some of the things that we believe. Right. It's, oh, here's here's the, and this, is why, this is why This is why. we know these things are right and you're wrong, and that's why this is our nomination. Mm-hmm. Instead, be like, well, these are the things that I don't know about. So right. let's get together and, like, share Well, it's funny because they're called denominations where they would denamed. Uh, you know, so we're denominations, yeah. man. So, yeah, we're a denomination. How about, we, shit, you know? how about we be the denamed a nation of sacred collective? Oh, <laughs> Hashtag denamed a nation. All I can think about is demon it's nation. Yeah, well, I do have demon on my name. <laughs> so stupid. I think yeah. I think it'd be interesting if, if there's like you could just call him like you could just call him like for for this would only work for a while. I'd be like the honest pastor, and he was just like a dude who's like I don't know, I don't, I don't give a shit about that. The Trinity sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I think the Trinity is a stupid idea. Kind of shit. <laughs> you know, and then people are like, yeah, that is right. But then along that somewhere along that line, he'd get too powerful and have too much. Well, money. yeah, that's and the he'd thing. Be a yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the point of rebellion as like a mantra is that like yeah whatever whatever becomes the new norm is going to have to be rebelled against so I look at it with like Jesus's teachings like to me Jesus's teachings were so amazing and wonderful and beautiful and then humans got their hands on it and then just screwed it all up and I mean that's sad because that's what we do like I honestly do however I doubt and have my ambiguity on things I, I always am going to be Transformed in some way by the teachings of Jesus, and then when I read the scriptures and I and I look at people throughout history, and you see how they've taken these teachings of Jesus and have totally just hijacked them, and I'm just like, we screwed it up, yeah, and it just pisses me off. But it's like that's what humans do: we take something awesome and wonderful, and then we're like, ah, original sin, bro. Yeah, bro. Bring it back. Yeah, bro. Bring it back around. Like, well, God would have made it perfect, but you mm-hmm. guys fucked up pretty bad, so... I had, a, I had a creationist, or a, uh, I should say a, what's it called? A uh, young earth creationist tell me that... Okay, so, I was having dinner in his house, and his daughter was pulling, like, a spatula out of the drawer, and, like, the drawer came unhinged, and he's like, Aha! See, that's why evolution can't be real. Everything falls apart. It doesn't get more complex. And he was like looking, like looking for and stealing opportunities to to reinforce this idea that things don't get more complex; they just fall apart. That's random. Why did I say that? Not at all. I don't know. Why did you say? I thought it was related to something. Is that like our faith? Yeah, I guess I. (laughs) All of us are like, where is this going? (laughs) Well, I can. How many beers have you had? Only three. I can see how that. It relates. I, I thought it related for a second. Well, I mean, 
if you're going to be a young earth creationist, like you have to be so cocksure of yourself, you mm-hmm. know, being like, well, all this is wrong because of a giant conspiracy, and like you have to believe all these yeah. all these beliefs that are wildly unfounded to just get to the baseline, and then you're like, yeah, sounds good. And then, and then you sound like a conspiracy theorist all the time. Like, yeah, but that's right. the Masons what you think. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I think it goes, that goes back to, I think this can kind of tie in with why deconversion and deconstruction is so scary. Because if you have that as like part of your identity, like part of your tribe, and it's like, okay, here's, here's like, here's the group that I identify with. And these are like all of the like criteria of beliefs to have. And it's like they all have to fit together for me to like feel like I belong somewhere. And if some of those start falling apart, then I'm going to be lost. And so I have to like try to hold on to that. And it's like if you come up with some sort of defense or argument, I just have to like reinforce my own thing even more then rather than try to be open to like something different because – then that means everything's going to fall apart, and I'm going to have to like I'm going to be lost. And well, then not, I, not I think so it's like yeah, right. it's this it's this like weird kind of tribalism that's like you find yourself in an in group somewhere, and it's part, I mean it's psychology that you want to like maintain that. But, status. You know, I was going to say I don't think it's weird. Like we're very tribal people. Yeah. But like it's funny religion um, throughout the entire world is primarily about identity not about beliefs yo oh Um, absolutely and when you have folks who are interested in beliefs that's when they tend to not identify with the group that only sees it as identity so if you are just a Christian because you don't know how to do anything else that seems lazy to people Mm. who are who are interested in delving into their faith yeah but when you delve into your faith you also start to change the identity of that tribe and that Mm. mess that that makes people scared because yeah. their identity is at stake it's right. it's their very dignity that is at stake because mm. um, I mean how many people around the world are religious what is it like four billion people um, out of the nine in the seven billion people. Um, yeah the second largest group now is unaffiliated by the way just just underneath the Christians um, which is interesting um, that was on NPR last week Oh really? Yeah, hmm. it's fun. Um, I think that's what the number was. Yeah, don't quote me. Um, but when you think about that, like Reza Aslan has a really good article about this, where he talks about religion being a matter of identity versus a matter of belief. But people who are interested in beliefs are the ones who tend to deconstruct because yeah. they're mm. the ones they're the ones who are like, does it really make sense that we do this or that we do that or why why do we do this? And so when you look back mm. where those beliefs come from. You tend, they tend to challenge your assumptions that you've been given by whatever group you're in, yeah. um, and so those that's really interesting. Those unarticulated. Maybe that's why so such a large percentage of seminary students deconvert or deconstruct just because they're the ones who are uh, invested enough After to about it. yeah to question those things on a genuine level. You know, I wonder. I I was actually watching a kids show today with with my kids on Netflix called Brainchild. Super good. That'll be my recommendation oh, yeah? later. Um, so I'll, I'll tell more about it. Um, but they were talking about this psychological effect called the endowment effect, where and they were talking about it with possessions, where like if you are given something, you psychologically you endow it with meaning, and now it becomes Ooh. more valuable than just its like monetary value. So they use the example of like if a kid gets like if their parents give them a stuffed animal, 
that is they see it as theirs now. It's endowed with mm-hmm. meaning, mm-hmm. and I think that could be extrapolated to like identity with like religious belief. It's like I I am a young earth creationist. Now that title has been endowed with meaning for me, and it's like it's personal, and so now it's like I have more possession and like control, like want to control it, and so that makes it harder to ch- like change because it's like that's part of me. Right. Like, it, I, it's endowed. It with reminds me of like every episode of Pawn Stars where someone comes in with something they think is super valuable, and they're yeah. like, oh, yeah. they have an expert come in, and they're like, but well, my grandma gave it to me. Yeah, and they're like, the actual value of it is you know fifteen hundred dollars. Like, I think it's worth ten thousand, and they're like. I can give you seven hundred and fifty dollars for it. Yeah. And they're like, it's worth way more. Yeah. And you're like, it's, yeah, exactly. it's not that. actually. Yeah, it's that's the first thing it made me think of. That's funny. Yeah. But that happens all the time when Ponce says someone coming and be like, My father told me this was worth ten thousand yep. dollars. And you come in and the guy's like, Yeah, I can buy one tomorrow for a hundred dollars. Yeah. I'll give you fifty bucks. And the guy's like, You're so offended. No, no yeah. way. Right. You you <laughs> away with you. Well, I should have you horse whipped. And I is this bad if I'm going to throw this out? Like, both sides of my family, and my mom and dad's side, are super religious. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't walk away from my faith if I wanted to and come out <laughs> unscathed or whatever. But there's good luck some, at Christmas, huh? Good luck at Christmas. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but there's in my family, there's some people. Who I'm related to, where I'm just like, it'd be so nice if you just didn't believe in God, where you just didn't like, where God didn't control every aspect of your life. You know what I mean? Like you just got up and you were like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go to work. I'm gonna raise my kids. I'm gonna, you know, just do life. And what? And but when you can see that every aspect that they do is like so. Jesus centric or Jesus controlled and I'm not saying being a Christian is bad I'm one but like I tell people I barely pray anymore uh, if I do pray it's like I pray for my daughter and my wife and myself or I pray for my family like my mom just had surgery I don't know if that's going to do anything it makes me just feel better about myself um, and let's face it I was brought up in it's tradition is you know whatever Um, But I do feel like, in some ways, I wish a lot of my family, not deconverted, but, like, deconstructed, because sometimes in my family, it gets lonely when I'm like, and I'll say, I deconstructed, you know, blah, 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 and they're like, you didn't deconstruct. I said, why is that word so, like, adverse to you? Like, I, yes, I still believe in Jesus, that story means something to me. But I, you know, I'll tell, like, my brother, for instance, or my mom, I'll be like, I don't believe in a hell. I don't necessarily believe in a literal heaven. Well, where in the world are you going to go when you die? I said, I don't care. I said, I don't. And I said, because, and I said, and, and I actually gave Amanda really big kudos to this because there's a family um, friend that they have from back home in South Dakota that just recently died after a long battle with a disease. And... Like, we were telling Ava because, like, Amanda kind of, like, Amanda knew this person since she was a little girl. And it just really rocked, like, the family and and the town where she's from. And Amanda looked at Ava and was like, oh, our friend Brenda died. We're really sad. And And she paused and she was like, but we don't know where she's at. And she said that to Ava. And, like, that made me excited because it's like, we don't. We don't. 
she could have Amanda could have went and said oh she's in heaven with Jesus and her grandparents or her parent or whoever but she said we don't know where she's at and I said I love that you left that in that ambiguity because I said we don't know if when you die if there's a heaven or a hell or if you just lay in a box or in an urn or wherever you're buried you know we don't or know that all of us become and so or we become zombies and be mm-hmm. part of the watch we do know that all dogs do go to heaven though yes that's true so, yeah but you know so it's one of those things where I think so and I've said this to like my brother and my mom and I'm not picking on them I love them to death but I'm like and I would say this to most of my family if you walked away from this particular way of you, you view Christianity in this particular worldview, like, how would your life change? And they were like, and they said, and kudos to them for being honest, but they were like, we couldn't really live life without understanding Jesus or faith or whatever this way. And to me, and I kind of just look at them and I'm like, that's sad. To me, to me, that's sad because you're saying I have to be so self-reliant on this said thing that if I don't believe in it this way whether it's right or wrong I can't you know I just can't do it where I'm just like if it doesn't make sense to me and I think that this is wrong I'm not going to believe it mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's funny because this is a, a, a like a, a thought that's brought me a lot of like shame over the years like being a Christian or an evangelical but like this is going to sound so nerdy like Morality from Star Trek The Next Generation means more to me than, like, the New Testament. Or, like, the Marvel Universe, like, in certain ways, like, affects me more emotionally than, like, reading the scriptures. Like, um, and it's, like, now watching, like, the MCU and, like, bringing it on this big screen, it's, like, people who had a huge, like, boner for The Passion of the Christ... They're like, it's finally on screen. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. how I feel watching like the MCU on screen. Like, because those movies, like, Angel be like, are you crying? And I'm like, yeah, I'm crying. <laughs> Aren't you? <laughs> no. No, sometimes. I cry um, at the end of the game. But, like, some of the like characters like Bruce Wayne and Batman, like, mean more to me than, like, Paul the Apostle. <laughs> like, and I find them more moral and more interesting yeah. um, than someone just proselytizing for some new religion. It's it, and it's and I'm sure a lot of people probably think the same thing or more. If you threw down like the New Testament or like you know the Dark Knight trilogy that came out in the '80s that Frank Miller did, you'd probably pick the Dark Knight trilogy to read instead. And be like, take this instead of the Gospel of Mark. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. or there's I mean certain literary you know works that mean more to me than the Bible. You know, yeah. Um, and I and I I don't know. I think that's not part of. Mm-hmm. The Harry Potter books I definitely read with more interest than the Old Testament. Yeah, so good. <laughs> yeah, like, um, and they're like, that's why we don't let our kids read them because they lead to Satanism. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're a great story about that. Yeah, something interesting that Josh said when he spoke at—not you, Josh, other Josh—when he spoke at Revolution this past week was he kind of made a comment like that about how a lot of like punk songs and a lot of uh, relevant like media. And content means a lot more to him than scripture. And he's way more of a literalist than probably any of us are. But, uh, so he... That reminded me of a quote that, like, Terrence McKenna has, which we were talking about Ram Dass earlier. I think that was off the air. But, uh, Terrence McKenna says... I'm paraphrasing, but he says... Pretty much the, the essence, the gist of it is, if a truth is 
accurately conveyed, it will be believed, and that is why it is the truth. So if you can if you can represent a truth accurately to somebody, they will believe it because it is innately, like in its essence, that is what makes it a truth, is that it is obvious. And so I think that, that applies to like, you know, pop culture and and more modern mythology and things like that, you know, being so heavy to us or like holding so much weight to us, whereas it's harder to piece it together with like a two thousand year old text or something like that. Sure. Capture a moment? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do recommendations real quick and then let's get the heck out of Dodge. Do you want to start, Eric? You yeah. Have one? Yep. So my recommendation is a Netflix show called Brainchild. And it's geared toward like elementary school kids, I'd say. Um, it's like a it's a science education show. And it's super well done. Um, very relevant. And they've got one episode all about like how social media use affects you. Um, hmm. They've got like about psychology. They've got a, it's like really cool. That there's like a main host and they like kind of make up like little game show kind of stuff to make stuff. And they've got like another sort of like science correspondent um, who is. The science correspondent on the show is Allie Ward, who is the host of the podcast Ologies, which has also been a recommendation of mine. So yeah. it's like a nice little crossover there. Um, but yeah, it's really cool and it's it's great. I'd say if you've got kids anywhere between the ages of like like kindergarten through sixth grade, probably would be prime subject matter. Fantastic. Um, I got two real quick. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but um, I would say one thing that I really like is the show on Amazon Prime called Carnivore Row. Uh, it has Orlando Bloom in it and the actress slash model Cara. Cara Delevingne. There you go. Um, it's probably one of the most crazy shows in a good way. It's it's a neo-noir, like, Victorian sci-fi fantasy show all wrapped into one. So you're in this weird world um, where they call it the Fae, which is a fairy. They're a fairy people. Literally, they're humans, but just with wings. Um, and then there's, like, a like horse or, like, ram-like person where they look like a human but they have hoofs for feet and then horns a fawn I guess a fawn yeah um it's just it, it's a really Mr. good Mr. it's a really good show um I mean there's there's love there's drama there's violence like war has kind of a little bit of everything and it got it just came out on the end of August and we've already got renewed for a second season but if you like just kind of all those kind of things, like I said, with, like, neo-noir, kind of, like, Victorian, all that kind of stuff, acted really well, um, then it's up your alley. So it's on Amazon Prime. And then the other thing, Eric has recommended this, and I bought this Artist's CD, and it's freaking on repeat in my earbuds. Every day at work is the rapper NF. Hey, oh, uh, oh, my ooh. Lord. That, that man... Only me. That man, that 
the rapper is so good. <laughs> He's so good, and I don't. I mean, I wish I could write like him. And his his lyrics were fantastic, but his yep. my favorite song right now is "Leave Me Alone." Yeah, so good. good. He's coming to the Armory. I know, but it's like I looked at it. It shows it. It's like eighty bucks it's just like to get into CMN. Yeah. Whoa. He's so, but he's like, I even have my friends like at my work who like they're into every like rapper. I'm like, hey, do you know the rapper? And after like, oh man, that guy's fire. And I'm like, do, do you know this? Is That's the young person talking. That's fire. So yeah, he's just really good. So even if you don't like rap, check him out. He's very, very, very good. Yep. I recommend the podcast. It's called Do You Know Who Jason Siegel Is? It's uh, the comics Nick Thune and Brendan Walsh, and they, they it's a crank call podcast, and they call places, and they start off every conversation with the question, do you know who Jason Siegel is? <laughs> and then they they parlay into, yeah. I showed you, actually, Brendan, I showed you a, a segment of the Bone Zone podcast, which was Brendan's original podcast that this spun off from they like did this like fit or I don't know maybe 30 minute long bit on the podcast where they called places and they just like started every conversation asking if they knew who Jason Siegel was and it, it prompted like so many good crank calls so they made a whole podcast about it with their then guest Nick Thune anyhow if you want a, a little giggle and a tickle in the tummy then listen to <laughs> and listen to do you know who Jason Siegel is it's really good it's really really good Josh how do you top that? Uh, yeah, uh, let's go have a giggle. Um, uh, all I can picture is the Pillsbury Doughboy now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would recommend, um, if you haven't watched The Boys on Amazon Prime yet. Oh, so, so good, good. Yes. Very, very fun. Carl, Carl Urban uh, is exceptional. Fantastic. Um, very interesting world. Um, very interesting story. Good twist. Uh, it, I mean, it's kind of like an, another anti-superhero movie, but it's... Um, It'd be like if superheroes were actually um, sponsored and yeah, corporate. Like politicians. Yeah, and, yeah. Elizabeth Shoes in it too. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I binged it in like a, in a weekend. So yeah, no, same. Too. Yeah. Um, mine is a podcast I actually got as a recommendation from another podcast. I was listening to Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. He was interviewing Jason Manzukis, who I really like. He's an awesome comedian who has been on several things, who also is part of an awesome podcast called How Did This Get Made? Mm -hmm. Um, But Dax recommended, they were talking about like true crime stories and how much they both like stuff like that. And Dax recommended a Canadian podcast called Uncover. And uh, he recommended a series called Escaping Nexium, which was like a weird cult thing that was like... Yeah, it was kind of like this like self-realization cult where it's like you, you know, you need to stop, you need to break the chains of your own life and stuff like and then you'd have to pay like $3,000 for these classes to learn how to break the chains of your own life and and then the leader would have sex with you. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. For free. Had, for free. What they focus on is like this upper echelon group of women. I forgot the name of the actual group, but it was a part of Nexium. Nexium. It was like the da something beyond the D. Um, and these women literally got 
they weren't told, but they literally got the cult leader's initials branded into them. Wow. With, like, a... Keith Rainier. Yeah, Keith Rainier, um, with a soldering iron. And, and the reason that they got so famous so quick is the heiresses to the Seagram's yep. fortune, the alcohol company, were part of this cult, and so, like, most It's no crazy. It's, oh, like... Yeah. It's really, really interesting. It's like yeah. happening right now. So if you go, it's run by CBC, which is uh, the, Canadian, the Canadian Broadcasting. Yeah. Um, and the podcast is called Uncover, and the series within the podcast is, is called Escaping Nexium. Okay. And it's absolutely fascinating. I, like, binged it in one day at work. I think it was like six one hour episodes and I was just like <laughs> and by the time I got home <laughs> poor Joshua I came to the door I was like do you know about Nexium? <laughs> like I was so like wound up, up because I was like so disturbed at what happened but oh. Joshua of course already knew what it was oh, about and he's like I, guys isn't it crazy? and we had a good more? discussion that's it I just want to do one more um, I listen to so many podcasts at work it's ridiculous but this one was like what Angela was saying was like a recommendation from a podcast and it's called The Shrink Next Door and it's put on by Bloomberg um, and the New York the New York Times I think um, and it was actually a journalist who worked for the Times um, had a, his summer home in the Hamptons and his ended up finding out that his next door neighbor was this shrink but then you kind of find out that this shrink was a manipulator and the person the house that he was living in in the Hamptons wasn't his house but one of his clients house what and then it's a six part episode but you just see how a person in power and prestige of like a shrink or a therapist is it's just really fascinating and it's they're only about an hour long so it's like a six hour um envelopment or envelopment investment investment there you go um, it's called, it's called The stars. Shrink Next Door. It's super good. Um, this isn't a recommendation, but um, keep listening. We're having three interviews coming up within the next couple weeks. Um, one is this weekend that uh, Caleb and I are doing. We can say it's already confirmed. Sean DeRegger, mm-hmm. who actually started the um, Screaming Pods, who unfortunately, as of the end of this month, is going to go bye-bye. Um, but... So we're going to interview him. We're interviewing our friend Josh DeKaiser, who Josh and I went to school with. Um, he is um, a death of God theologian, a radical theologian. He's in Holland. That's coming up. And then my good friend, um, Scotty, who is a reformed, a Swiss reformed minister who started his own church in St. Gallen, Switzerland. So we're having some international guests coming on soon. So just a little plug. Uh, if you like what we're doing, just keep listening. And we do have a Patreon. We don't ever say that, but... All right. We, forgot, have, I forgot we had that thing. We do have a Patreon. We've had it like a year and a half ago. We've had it for like a year and a half, and we've gotten no money. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, so we have a Patreon. This <laughs> is before Eric started coming. We have, we have tiers. Um, oh, my God. So, Eric, if you get us One like of them is like you can call into the show. Like, one of the tiers is literally... Wouldn't it be hilarious we take if you, like, go in the other room and you're like, I'm calling into the show. Is that okay? No, so, yeah, those That'd episodes are coming up soon. Hello, so. you're on the line. It's Eric. Yeah. 
Eric, can you grab, you, can you grab me a beer while you're in the kitchen? Eric, get out <laughs> of the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for listening. We'll um, talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at SacredMN. That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>